0: Have you ever heard the story of the old man who ran an ultra marathon wearing a pair of boots? I'm actually super excited to share this story with you. I came across it in an article by Ann Boskamp, and I was like, man, this is just fascinating. I can't wait to share this in, in one of my one of my messages. And I thought it fit really well this morning. So there's this old guy, he's 61, he lives in Australia, and he ran an ultra marathon. So that's he this this ultra marathon was 544 miles long. And he ran it in boots and overalls. Now, 544 miles—that's basically running from here to New York City. If you can imagine that. So, Cliff shows up at the race, and he heads over to the starting line, and the other other uh, runners with all the the fanciest gear, and and they're all—they look pretty pretty professional, and they're looking at Cliff and like, "Are you sure uh, you're in the right spot?" Like the spectators, they they stand over over there. This is the, is the starting line, like. We think you might be in the wrong spot. And Cliff's like, nope, I'm good to go. I'm, I'm here to run the race, standing there in his overalls and his, and his boots. And, and so they were, they were pretty amused. And, and adding to the amusement was the fact that before he began, Cliff removed his false teeth. Uh, he said that, that running with false teeth in, they just rattled around too much. So he gets set, and the, and the, the starting gun goes off, and, and the runners take off. They're running. They've got a pretty, pretty swift gait right from the get-go, and Cliff starts shuffling. And people are looking, saying, like, good heavens, who does this guy think he is? This this isn't going to turn out well. But he, he shuffles along, and, and they leave him in the dust. Everybody runs for about 18 hours, and, and at the 18-hour mark, the, the other runners, they begin to settle in for the night. They lie down at the side of the road, and they have a sleep. And, and so the way that ultramarathons worked was that you would run for 18 hours, sleep for 6 hours, Run for 18 hours, sleep for six hours. And this would proceed on for anywhere from five to seven days for the course of the race. So the runners lay down the first night for six hours of sleep before pressing on. And, and Cliff just keeps on truckling. He keeps on shuffling. His persistent pace continues through the night. He makes his way through the darkness without even stopping. Long story short, Cliff. He runs the race every single night as the other runners slept. He just keeps on shuffling and he makes up more and more and more ground each night on these other runners. And five days, 15 hours, and four minutes later, Cliff crosses the finish line. And he's in first place. And in fact, the next closest runner crossed the line nine hours later. Second place was nine hours behind Cliff. This farmer, I didn't think I mentioned that yet, he's a farmer running in boots and overalls. And it was simply bewildering. And, and actually, the way that Cliff approached this race has transformed the way that, that some, many, ultra marathons approach things. Now, instead of sleeping six hours every night, they actually press on through the night and run the race consistently. And also many have adopted what they call the young shuffle. His name was Cliff Young, the shuffle. uh, They studied the way that that cliff ran and they said, actually, this is a more energy efficient way of moving than the normal running gait that others used. And so people shuffle along in much the same fashion as Cliff did. So it's just fascinating. This guy removes his teeth. He's 61. He uh, runs in work boots. He's wearing overalls. At the end of the race, the, the, he finds out he's won a $10,000 prize, and he had no idea about this. He was just like, ah, I'm going to show up and see if I can finish the race. Had no idea that he won $10,000, so he just dispersed it among all the other, all the other runners because he wasn't actually expecting it. So how did Cliff become such a good runner? What gave him what it took to shuffle through the darkness night after night after night on this race? Five plus days. Well, he grew up on a sheep farm and they were fairly poor. They didn't have a four-wheeler. They didn't have um, any fast tractors. They didn't have any horses. And so his job from the time he was a kid was actually to round up the sheep. 2,000 sheep spread out over 2,000 acres and, and so if, there was, if they knew in the forecast that a, that a terrible storm was coming, and this was often enough, it was his job to go out and to run through the fields to round up these 2,000 sheep. And he was often gone for two to three days at a time. And so he said, sometimes I've run those sheep for two to three days. I can run this race. It's really only two more days. Five days, I've run sheep for three. Those are the words of Cliff. What a fascinating story. This guy just shows up and he wins this ultra marathon out of the blue. It wasn't pretty, but he he got it done. In the midst of the darkness of the night, while the others stepped away to rest, while they stepped out of the race, Cliff kept on shuffling through the night. It wasn't pretty, it was comical to many people, but he just kept on shuffling in the dark and he got there. Now, I'm not sure about you. Actually, I'm pretty sure for most of you, to be honest, uh, these past six months has actually felt a lot like shuffling through the dark. We've all said it, and we keep saying it. This has been hard. It's been a hard, almost six months. Can you believe it? Almost six months. It's been a hard time trying to figure out what we're doing, try to manage with these uh, just strange realities all around us. It's going to continue to be hard for months to come. And so my encouragement this weekend to all of you is just to keep on shuffling. You can do it. You are going to get there. It might not be pretty. It might not seem to to many. It might not seem to yourself like you know what you're doing, but you've got to keep on going, just like Cliff did, shuffling through the darkness. Shuffling through the darkness. Don't step out of the race that we're in right now. The scriptures often talk about this journey of life that we're on. It compares it to a race. And so thinking about this idea of shuffling on through these realities, I thought I would look back at the first number of messages that I presented following the onset of our COVID-19 lockdown. What were we considering at that time? What was God calling us to? And so I thought we'd just go back and reconsider those things. Sometimes we always want new information and new ideas. And I actually increasingly believe That a discipline in life to help to grow is to keep going back to the things that have been said and reapplying them to our lives. We so often want new information, but we need to grow more fully into the things that we've already considered, the things that we already know. But before I do that, I want to emphasize the mercy of God. Please, please receive the mercy of God. Why? Well, I've not been up to snuff these last couple of months. And probably, more than likely, neither have you. I had hoped that I would be more emotionally stable throughout this COVID-19 pandemic than I have been. I had hoped that I would cling to Jesus more firmly than I have. I had hoped that I would listen more closely to what the Holy Spirit is saying than I have these past six months. I had hoped that I would reach out to other people around me more radically than I have over these past number of months. It hasn't been horrible, but I haven't been everything that I hoped that I would be in the midst of COVID-19. And it's probably the case for you. And that's why we need to celebrate. That's why we need to step more fully once again into God's mercy. God just loves showering his mercy on us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that God is rich, rich in mercy, abundant, wealthy with his mercy. Now, Jeff Bezos, he's the The founder, uh, I believe the CEO of Amazon. He has a net worth of $131 billion. If you can imagine that. It's just astounding. Crazy rich. Can't even even fathom that. If my math is correct, he could give $22 to every single person on earth before he would run out. Can you imagine? Like there's there's close to 8 billion people on earth. He could give, if if my math is correct, $22 billion to every single person person that's how wealthy he is if he were to give it all out God is way more wealthy than that he extends his mercy to us day after day after day after day and he never runs out it's not going to top out at 22 offerings of mercy God is rich in mercy for those who look to him with faith for those who reach out and say God I need your help so remember the mercy of God How do you feel about how you performed or functioned over these last number of months? Are you disappointed with how much that you've struggled? Probably many of us are. And and so I want you to picture actually Jesus wrapping his arms of love around you. A great big big hug and saying, it's okay. It's okay. I got you. I don't expect you to be perfect. I'm here. Receive my mercy. Psalm 103 verse 8. God says that he is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in love. And so as we consider how we've, how we've done and we consider how we want to keep shuffling along and, and keep growing and maturing in this, I ask that you would remember the mercy of God. And now firmly rooted in His mercy, let's keep on running. Let's consider how can we keep those boots on? How can we keep on shuffling? How do we keep persevering like Cliff did through the darkness of the night. So looking back, March the 22nd, the first Sunday, the March 15th, things were kind of closed closed down. March 22nd, I don't think anything happened that Sunday. March 22nd was the first time we all met together on Zoom. And I shared a message from 1 Samuel chapters 4 and 6. And in that time, I said, in this season, let God expose your idols. This section from 1 Samuel, it talks about um, the, the nation of Israel, their, their national identity was shattered. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which, which symbolized God's presence among them. It was the most important religious symbol for those people. They go into war, trusting in their own strength, leaving God behind but carrying the Ark with them. They didn't even consult God, ask for his advice. They said, well, we trust in ourselves. We've got military strength. We're good to go if we just take this artifact with us. Everything's going to be fine. And they were defeated, and they lost that Ark the idols of their own strength were shattered they placed their trust in their own strength for security the story goes on and the ark is restored to the people when they repent and turn back to god but we in order to avoid the situation of those first israelites we got to keep asking god what are the idols that i've put my trust in and how are you exposing them in this time health and safety sorry health health and financial success are two of our primary, if not the primary idols in our lives. These are still concerns for us. Not nearly, I don't think, as strong as it was when we had so much uncertainty in March in terms of what's our health going to look like, what's our, what are our finances going to look like. But these are often idols, and, and we need to hold those out and ask God and say, how are the ways that I've been trusting in these? How are these idols being disrupted during this unusual time? We've got to ask God to expose those and other idols in our heart. One of my idols is my own success as a pastor. Our success, success as a church. That's a huge idol. And I've got to ask God to expose it to me as everything's been thrown up in the air and I haven't really known what to always do. And I have sometimes have felt unsure about what the church will look like on the other side of COVID-19. And that, that feels... Uh, unsettling to me. And so God's been exposing this idol in me and asking me to trust in him in new ways. And this has been hard, but it's been good. And so we want to keep working at that. We want to keep renewing our trust in God, no matter what happens. So the first piece was asking God to expose the idols in our hearts. The second piece is we don't want to miss out on what God is saying to us in this time of calamity. It's in times of trouble, actually, that God shapes our hearts most significantly. And on March the 29th, I shared a quote, someone, something that in, a, in a, actually a prayer session with a number of other people, someone said this, and it just stuck with me, and it was, we don't want to hold it together until all of this passes and then get back to normal. We want to ask, God, what are you saying to us in this time? And so I asked that question on March the 29th, and I shared from Second Chronicles chapter 15. This was a time when Israel was in great upheaval. It describes it in the text. It talks about great turmoil. It says it wasn't even safe for people to travel because of how tumultuous things were for the nation during that time. And then God sends a prophet, a truth teller, to come and speak to the people. And that prophet called them to return to God. In chapter 15, verse 15, it said they sought God eagerly and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. And so we have to ask, I asked on March 29th and we've got to consider it again. Are we earnestly seeking God during this time? God can use circumstances like this to to shape us in massive ways. We're shaped far more during times of calamity than times of ease. So will we be like the Israelites in their time of great turmoil and earnestly seek God? Keep on shuffling through the dark. It might be confusing. It might be painful. But seek God. God, what are you saying? That's a part of our shuffling on. The third piece that I reminded you of on April 5th was a call to lament well. How have you been hurting during this time? What pain and frustration have you been feeling? How have you ta- have you taken these things to God? Have you have you had a good cry in these last number of months? Have you raised your voice as you prayed? Have you wailed as you've prayed? Have you let any like guttural groans from deep inside that express that angst? Have you let those out, or even in a conversation with a friend? Have you acknowledged and shared openly and honestly? How have you been hurting? I was in a conversation with someone the other day, and and, uh, there was a lot of reason why I would want to put my best foot forward in this conversation and just appear, uh, keep the appearance of, yeah, everything's fine. But I felt God stirring in me to be honest about some of the things I'm confused about, some of the things that are discouraging, and how I'm actually really feeling. And for me, that was actually a practice of lament. Psalm chapter 13, which I drew your attention to on April 5th, that the psalmist says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? If David was allowed to say this stuff, and if it was recorded in Scripture, surely it is okay for you also to express your angst. As a part of your shuffling through the darkness, what does it look like to express lament? The next piece is a call to anticipate suffering. Easter Sunday, April 11th, a morning of of great hope. We celebrate hope as we celebrate the resurrection. We talked that Sunday about the need to celebrate, to expect celebration. And I drew your attention to the story of the Israelites. They fled slavery in Egypt. They were heading into the unknown. Even though slavery was horrible, they didn't know what was going to meet them next. And they had terror in their hearts. And what is astounding to me that in the midst of the uncertainty and the terror, Miriam, Miriam was the sister of Moses. She packed her tambourine. A tambourine is a joyful instrument. I don't think you can lament with a tambourine. She packed her tambourine because she expected the deliverance of God. Because she expected celebration and hope. Exodus 15 verse 20, it says, Miriam the prophet Aaron's sister took a timbrel, a tambourine in hand, and all of the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, saying, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both the horse and the driver he has hurled into the sea. And they passed through the darkness, and they arrived at this moment of great celebration. The fact that they packed their tambourines shows that they expected that God would deliver them and there would be celebration. Do you expect celebration? Are you celebrating God's deliverance along the way? What does that celebration look like? I I can't wait for our first potluck. I have no idea when that's going to be. No idea. But I can't wait for the first time that our church gathers together for a potluck meal. It's going to be marvelous. That will be a point of great celebration. And I expect it. I anticipate it. No idea when it will be, but I anticipate it. What are the moments of celebration that you're anticipating? Are you placing your hope in God by believing that He will deliver us? And of course, ultimately, He will deliver us through bringing the new heavens and the new earth one day. How are you anticipating celebration? How are you now celebrating the good steps forward along the way, the small wins? And then last in this list of the initial things I invited you to consider, on April 19th, I asked you to love in uncommon ways. And I shared the story of Sarah Peter. She was a Methodist mission worker, and she went into a prison that was being ravaged by a pandemic, ravaged by a horrible fever. And there were a number of men who were heading to death row, and she said, I need to meet with them. I need to share the mercy of God with them before they arrive at their death. She knew the risks, and she walked into that prison, and she shared the gospel, and reports are that there was great singing and great rejoicing. His hearts were open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sarah Peters died 10 days later. She wanted so badly for those prisoners to meet Jesus that she risked her life, and she paid for it. Now, We're probably not going to be called to radical love to that degree, but what does it look like for you to love others in uncommon ways? Honestly, I don't feel like I've done incredible in this department over the last couple of months. I've needed to pace myself as I've dealt with the emotional strain of the various different points of life, being more present with my family. The added emotional strain, I think that has come to my role as a pastor, and I imagine you can identify that with your various places of employment as well. So I don't think, I've, I haven't done horrible, but I haven't done as well as I hope that I might. But I want to encourage you in the midst of this time, this shuffling through the darkness to continue to explore what does it mean to love in uncommon ways. One of the ways that God's blessed me is spending more time with my one neighbor. that has been a surprising, I would even say friendship, that's, that's emerged over the last months of just lonely, lonely folks, fairly isolated, I would say, pretty huge health concerns the last few months. And I've been able to hang out with them and just enjoy life. And, and I think that's a way of loving in uncommon ways. Um, and I'm thankful for that opportunity. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It talks about Jesus who showed love in the most uncommon way. And it says, For the joy set before them, He endured the cross. He emptied Himself for someone else. He sought to bless us because He knew of the joy that would come. And, and really, that's what can drive our own loving and uncommon ways. We know that we have a hope. We know that we have a future and so we can give and we can expend of ourselves. Do you need a renewed reminder as you shuffle along to bless those around you in the ways that are hard and that cost you? How can you love in uncommon ways? So in conclusion, I just want to encourage you this weekend. You're doing great. You're doing great. I think I can say that across the board. All of us in our different circumstances, you're still here. You're still caring for others. You're surviving. You're trusting in Jesus. You're doing great. Press on. Surrounded by the mercy of God, let's continue to run that race. Let's keep on shuffling like Cliff Young, the old dude who won the 544-mile ultra marathon. It wasn't pretty. He had to remove his false teeth. He was wearing his overalls. It wasn't pretty, but he got it done. He kept on shuffling through the darkness. And I I, so I encourage you, keep at it. Keep at it. God is with you. And so I offer these reminders to you as you shuffle along. Let God expose the idols in your heart. Keep listening for what God is saying in this time. Be sure to lament, anticipate celebration, and love in common ways. I think that these are some of the keys as we're rooted in the mercy of God to shuffling along well. So, let's shuffle together. We're not through this. It's going to be a while yet. Let's shuffle together with the Spirit of God all around us and within us. Thanks for joining me again today. Let's close in in prayer. God, uh, thank You that we are still shuffling. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You that we get to gather together in person uh, here in our church facility next Sunday and, and we ask for your blessing on that and and, and God, I, I, again, I guess I, I just pray Holy Spirit that you'd speak to each person who hears this, what they need to hear from you. Whisper your words of truth and life over us. May the lies of the deceiver be far away. Give us the strength we need just to keep on shuffling. And we know and we trust that we're going to get there with you. So we offer our hearts to you. you are our king. you are our mentor, our savior our leader. You are the one true, wise, and all-loving God. Guide us, we pray. And all of us, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, thanks again for joining us this weekend. It'll be great to have you worship with us next weekend, September 13th whether it's in person here on the Sunday morning or you stream with us online. Another, another shift, but uh, hoping this becomes a new normal for, for a good, good while. Take care. God is with you.